<laughs> because I feel like I'm so um because I'm doing this every day, so it's like uh every day is like in a rush. But anyway. Uh, hi Linda. Thank you so much for coming on to Winter with Grace today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so to give the audience a little bit of your background, what about you introduce yourself? <laughs> Sounds sorry. good. I'm um, sorry. Oh, oh, by the way, she's awesome. She is a longtime friend, and I just like absolutely love her. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just really happy to be part of your lineup. Um, so I know most of the people who have been on the show are like pretty well established in the industry, whether like in venture or like other fields. So um, I'm happy really happy to be here today and um, to really contribute my perspective as a student. So maybe offer an alternative. Um, so part of my background is um, I've worked at several venture funds. So I've been a fellow at Pair VC, Flygate Fund, ABC. Um, I was an intern at Foothill Ventures, which is a um, US-China like cross-border thesis fund um, focusing on deep tech. Um, in addition, I've also freelanced for many um, pre-seed and C-stage funds on especially focusing on university sourcing and diligence. Um, so last year, I helped out with Altimeter Capital, um, organized a hackathon for them, um, have also kind of consulted a little bit for Afford Capital and South Park Commons as well. Um, so during the two years that I spent at Pair, I mostly focused on evaluating investment opportunities for Pair competition, which is um, this annual 100K uncapped safe um, that they offer to student founders. Um, I also focused on um, figuring out their university sourcing strategy and branding, especially within the Stanford engineering community. Um, since during the year that I was a fellow, um, I was the only undergrad selected and the other fellows were all Stanford MBAs. So it helped them a lot with thinking about how do we focus on like CS undergrads. Um, and I think part of um, what I hope to offer and part of what my alpha is as a student is being able to get access to many funds. I think it's harder to have that later on in your career when you start full time because you know, there's kind of a lot of IP involved, like much harder to hop around. Whereas um, as a student, I think everyone wants to talk with you and work with you. So um, I've really tried to take full advantage of that. Um, and I think I've learned a lot in terms of how these different funds um, work differently in terms of investment philosophy, strategy, branding. Um, so excited to share a little bit more of that today. Oh, that's amazing. I would love any advice you have on all of these categories. What about we start with, um, like, you know, attracting the best, like, engineering founders? Because I feel like um, many VC firms, um, they really turn into Stanford students because of, like, there's a lot of unicorn coming out of Stanford. And I wonder... Um, but like right now, it's like, as you know, like, oh, the VCs are coming at Stanford. So like how yeah. can VC firms stand out to attract the best talent? Yeah, I think this is definitely a question I think about a lot. So um, I'm studying in the School of Engineering as a computer science student. And um, the majority of my friends study computer science as well. So I think I have this perspective, both as someone who's kind of within the system myself, but also having friends who are highly sought after by many VCs um, mm -hmm. and hearing about what their experiences have been in the different programs. Um, so I would say, one general observation I've noticed is that many times the ways that VCs traditionally source, such as by hosting dinners or hosting mixers, um, tend to attract the wrong types of technical founders for investment. 
So for instance, something I've noticed is that let's say you're hosting a dinner at an expensive restaurant where you're having a yacht party, which is something a lot of the engineering mm -hmm. fellowships do. I think what that tends to do is they attract founders who are more interested in kind of the glamour of entrepreneurship instead of the actual problems that they want to solve. And so I think through these disaligned incentives, you end up finding founders who maybe care more about like the external benefits that being a founder might bring rather than genuinely like building and like getting deep into the problems that you care about. Um, and so something, some advice that I give to VCs is really think about like, what do the found? So first I think having a very clear idea of who is the founder you're looking for, what do they like to do? Um, what do they spend most of their time doing? And what would they feel like is a good use of their time? And then building your events around that and building your branding around that as well. Um, so I kind of have some examples of um, funds that I think do this really well. So I think one part of it is thinking about your brand and just really saying, um, like conveying to these engineering founders, hey, like, I know how you think and operate. We love working with you. And um, we're not just like MBAs who are like out of touch and like only care about the business side of things, but we actually really like getting our hands dirty in the technical stuff as well. Um, so I think your branding can convey that. Um, so some examples that do this well, one is Basecakes Capital. Um, so I think Alana does a great job since through her naming, like Basecakes is like, referring to a concept in recursive programming where um, so first you have a base case and then you recurse on that. So I think when founders see that name, they know, okay, like she's someone who codes. Um, and another fund that does this really well is um, Bloomberg Beta. So rather than having a traditional website, which a lot of funds do, um, Bloomberg actually hosts their portfolio and um, a lot of just information about their fund on GitHub. And so for those who don't know, GitHub is a website where programmers share their code and you can start repos, you can follow other people. So I think they're finding a very native advertising channel for themselves. So rather than relying on LinkedIn or maybe Twitter for like Twitter for founders to find them, like they're actually going on GitHub where all the engineers are. Um, and then another fund that I think does this really well is um, Root VC. So if you go on their website, um, you'll see like a computer terminal. And so usually like, and that Wait, layout, which fund is that? Which fund is that? Uh, root VC. How do you spell it? Is so root, world? like root as in like a tree root. And then VC. Um, that yeah, it sounds so familiar. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, okay, but talking think, right now. <laughs> but they also do a really good job. Um, I think everyone on their fund has a technical background, and their mm -hmm. websites are terminals. So you have to like know how to navigate a terminal, like in order to like see what their investments are and like play around with the website. Uh, and they hide Easter eggs. So, um, but I this think this is such a discrimination for anyone who does not how to code. I'm sorry, but this is bad. But yeah, not um, like not bad in like a sense that like they're probably attracting the right audience. But I feel really like sad about like I. <laughs> but I think this is part of how they refine their top of funnel mm -hmm. is they have a clear sense of like this is who we want to look for and then this is what they like and then they kind of build a lot of structures to um yeah like for those people to find them and really appreciate them 
So I think part of the branding is really important. And I'm saying the second part of it is just thinking about your event strategy. So um, I think part of what I've been really grateful to learn is just getting a lot of exposure to not just the investment side, but platform side of VC through the work that I've done with all the funds that I've been at. And um, I think one thing that's really important is you create events where founders are not just coming because like they want to raise from you or because they want to network, but actually like creating things that they enjoy doing. And so I think for some founders, like that could be a hackathon because instead of like sitting at a dinner where everyone's pitching like, oh, like I'm interested in B2B SaaS because like something, something, like you actually get to code and build a project with your friends and like explore the ideas that you want to build. And so um, part of like a blog that I wrote about, I called it like building for builders, but um, it's essentially like if you want to attract people who like building things, like give them an opportunity and space to build. Um, or something else um, that I've heard really good feedback from is um, hosting like maybe like an ML paper reading retreat. Um, oh my God, that sounds like the most intense thing I've ever heard. But I think there are people who like really, really love doing that. And so for them, that's like the perfect weekend if like you put them up and like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like Marin for a weekend. And then like, you just read papers and talk about them. So I think it's, again, like thinking about, okay, like, if I want to find, like, people who are like, going really deep into AI, and like, focusing on the forefront of research, I think something that those people like to do is like, read papers for fun. And, um, and so that kind of looks very different from the traditional VC events, like dinners. And um, I've experimented with that and also like learned a lot in the process. So, um, and I think it's just like super nuanced. So one example is when I was hosting the hackathon with Altimeter in the fall, like something that I didn't expect to learn is um, actually by having more expensive prizes that disincentivize people from telling their friends to come because they wanted to win the prizes. So I think that was really interesting. So maybe the question I started to ask instead is like, how can I offer value to, you know, future founders or like great engineers who would want to come? And I think maybe something I would do differently in the future is like focusing more on the workshops and like the portfolio CEOs that I'm inviting who are like building in this space. So that's kind of, yeah. So just again, like thinking about what people, can get out of your event, what you can offer them and trying to like have as many win-wins as possible. I think, so kind of to circle back, one is think about your funding, sorry, think about your branding as a fund and how you can target yourself specifically to the types of founders that you want to look for. And two is designing events around what they like to do and not just what you like to do, which I think is important, especially <laughs> for like coming into VC more from like a business background. Um. I'm totally taking notes. I wonder, um, first of all, like the ML re like ML paper reading <laughs> retreat, it sounds like an insane idea. But um, anyway, so I wonder when you're thinking about having the founder in your ecosystem, meaning like builder, build like deeper mm -hmm. relationship with them, like um, what is that? Like, how would you approach that? Because I feel like a lot of VC founders are doing these like one-off events. It's yeah. great to like attract a bunch of people to like get your brand in front of like a billion people through like a newsletter. Yes. 
But however, I feel like I don't hear like there's only one or two fonts that are doing great on like being on top of mind and then thinking people mm-hmm. thinking highly of. Um, yeah, I wonder how do you kind of like having that recurring strategy and think about if you want to build like a, a YC for like Stanford or like other top yeah. university, like how would you go about the go to market? Yeah, I think that's a great question and also something that's very top of mind for me. So I think part of where my like my expertise and also how I've shaped my thesis in this area is like from my own experience and the experiences of my friends. So um, I was part of ABC's engineering fellowship. A lot of my friends have done KP fellows. They've done pair. They've done Neo. <laughs> I worked at pair. So it's um, I think a lot of dog fooding that goes into it is just hearing the feedback that everyone has on these programs and what they do well. Um, so I think my, I think where I operate on this, um, I feel really lucky to have learned a ton from Mar Hutchinson Mar- at Pair VC. And I think something that she really emphasizes is that you have to give to get. And I think a lot of it is about being generous and offering value and maybe not expecting anything in return, but just giving first. Um, And so I think for me, like that's kind of the cornerstone of building a long-term relationship with a founder is instead of, it sounds cliche, but I think instead of like co-opting them and like thinking about, okay, like how can I get them to start a company in the next six months? Or how can I matriculate them into my accelerator from the fellowship? I think really thinking about, okay, like who is this person? What are their long-term life goals and how can I support them to get to where they need to be? Whether that's like opening up my Rolodex or like offering them with career opportunities, um, helping them grow and deepen their skills in the technical area that they're interested in. I think those three things are really important. And um, I think one mistake that I see a lot of funds make is they really care more about their short-term outcomes. So I think they'll tell kids to like drop out of school and then, or maybe let's say they, the way they source is like, I think they'll try to go for like the top AI, like ML students at Stanford and then tell them to like join their accelerator. And then they end up starting some like consumer social company, which I think is really sad because let's say it's a student was interested in more in like ML vision or like they had some area that like they really wanted to go deep into and now like they end up doing consumer social because that's what all the other college student founders are doing. I think I don't think that's making use of like their full like full potential. And again, I think it goes to the aligning incentives. It's like I think as a VC, like how you can maximize the outcome for yourself is by maximizing the outcome for the people you're trying to support. So like, how can you get them to kind of be on the full growth arc of their journey rather than thinking about like the short-term benefits that you can reap from the person? Um, and so I think the antithesis or like the opposite of that is um, actually like just doing things to support the growth of a student. And so one um I think I'm really grateful to have like been part of ABC and also worked at Pear. Um, but I think something that I've, I also like 
have heard from my friends that something Neo does really well is um, so I think one way that they differ from all the fellowship programs is typically for these venture funds, what they do is they'll recruit like the top engineering students from Harvard and from Stanford, so on and so forth. And they'll say, we'll place you at one of our portfolio companies during the summer. So for instance, like for KP, like they put people at Figma and Slack. Um, for ABC, I think more of like the defense side companies and then um, so on and so forth. Um, but Neo really differs and they're like, we're not just going to place you at one of our portfolio companies, but we're, we'll place you where you actually want to work. So if you want to work at OpenAI, we'll connect you with a recruiter at OpenAI. If you want to work at Notion, like I'll connect you with someone at Notion. And they do a super good job of that. And um, I think it's a super smart strategy of fun because I think students are more likely to choose your program because it's actually the best option for their career, which is working at a hypergrowth company that's in the space they're interested in um, and not just a company like a much more limited selection of your portfolio companies. But I think the other reason why it's smart is because as a fund, it actually helps you get into those companies. So for instance, um, Neo was able to get into, I think Notion at like a later round, they were also able to get into Mosaic ML, which was a fantastic exit for them. And I think part of how they've been able to do that is they're putting in a lot of work. So they spend a lot of time recruiting the best engineering students from Harvard and Stanford. That takes time, it takes resources. And then they're referring them to these companies and offering a ton of value to the companies. And so because of that, they're also able to say, get into a later round, which, so I think that is a really smart strategy as a fund, because if you're starting out, like maybe a lot of the portfolio companies that you have are quite young, like they have not exited. And maybe the brand enough from those companies isn't enough to attract the best students. So what you do is you just find some other way to help the students and help the companies. And I think um, that's kind of one example of really like not focusing on short-term incentive of getting the best engineers for your portfolio, but like actually just getting the best engineers period. And then thinking about how you can provide value to them. Totally. I, I have so much like thoughts on this. So like number one is like when you mentioned like, you know, the Mar example, I feel like, uh, you know, when we're referring the give and take strategy or give and take thesis, it's supposed to be like, you know, the most like the most successful people and the most unsuccessful people are both givers and like the people who give the most, like, I think it's like you have to help yourself first and then you give and that's like a good strategy for you because there's the matchers and then there's like the, the other givers <laughs> and like on the other hand, like, you know, you can't like, and then the other, like there's a lot of people that are unsuccessful are givers as well because they kind of like didn't really meet their own needs and everything. So right. I wonder I like that what you mentioned about like uh, Neo. I feel like it's it sounds like very like smart and strategic to place people. Like I feel like they're like I guess to a degree they are kind of like more putting themselves in a more vulnerable position to you know helping people without like a lot of signals of like getting back to something. And then you mentioned like they were able to get into a competitive run um, later on. That's like a really good signal that like this. Um, strategy is kind of working but I wonder like what is like 
what do you think it's like an easy or like lower hanging fruit for VC firm to execute? Because it sounds like, you know, they are doing many things like, you know, you have to attract the best founder from Stanford or whatever. You have to place them into open air or like Notion or like something. It's like really, it's a lot of work. So yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you're like a smaller founder, like a lot of the listeners are like emerging mm-hmm. VC, emerging GP, and they're even emerging LPs. Like they're deploying capital, but they're like not having the, you know, billions of dollars of like resources to build a really extensive level of program what are some things for them to kind of like tap into this network yeah I kind of want to go back to something you said earlier I think you're kind of talking about do I give first or do I like focus more on myself and then like how do I balance that and I think um yeah, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think one rule of thumb that I like operating by and something we've chatted mm-hmm. about as friends is um, I really like thinking about the incentives for each person in this situation and just like being very clear headed about what is oh, by it the way, that- you're, you're like literally one of the most thoughtful person I've ever met. But keep oh, on going. Um, also going to take a sip of my coffee. <laughs> Same. Oh, blue bottle, love it. Um, yeah, I think is it's, it's actually Costco coffee, but anyway. Keep <laughs> <going>. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just being very clear-headed about what is this person hoping to get from me, and what can I offer them, and then you maybe like just make a table of all these things, and then think about like, um, and then you think about where the incentives line up. Like, what can I do? that's good for me and good for you. And so I think that was kind of how I thought about playing the hackathon from Altimeter. Um, so last summer I was able to like raise like 20K like versus hackathon, like with Altimeter as a leading sponsor and mm-hmm. um, several other VC sponsors as well. Um, got a lot of great founders to speak with us. Um, we need and- to do a hackathon together. <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> yeah, so we got... Um, Langchain to do a workshop with us. Um, we also got um, New Computer, who who's building this like intelligent system dot. Um, so it ended up like being a great experience. And part of how I was able to do that was um, I essentially went and pitched all the different constituents and said, "Here's what I can offer you." So I think for the venture funds, like what I was able to say is like, hey, like I'm a CS student, like I'm friends with a lot of great CS students. Um, They're very smart and I know how to get access to them in a way that um, maybe you're not currently able to. And so I thought about what the VCs wanted and said, okay, like this is what I can offer you. And then for the companies, it's kind of like, well, they also want access to the best like CS students and they also want to raise from VC. So for instance, like, a company like New Computer, they have just raised a seed, but they might want to raise follow-on funding later. So going to an event that Altimeter is hosting is also like good for them in that sense, um, maybe for a subsequent round. And so for them, like my cell was, I had like a great lineup of, of like top tier VCs who are sponsoring this event and you'll get to interact with them. And I also have great students who are building and maybe want to use your product to build or want to use your product. 
And then I think for the students, what I was offering is like, if you want to work at these companies, like this is a great opportunity to meet those founders. And um, actually, like one of my friends, Molly, she is um, building in like the AI device space. So I think for her, getting to talk with Sam from New Computer um, was like a really good like career opportunity for her as well. And she's gone on to raise. Um, so super proud of her for that. Um, and so they're able to, the students are able to get that from the founders, and then they're also able to get access to the VCs as well. So I think I've just kind of segmented who's coming into, who's coming to my event into these categories of students, found, like students and founders, VCs, um, companies, and then I thought about what they have to offer for each other and try to design the event so that they're all able to get something out of it. Um, I wonder, so when you're thinking about like um, building a recurring system for this, like what's your mm -hmm. strategy on that? And I want to circle back on the idea of like, you know, oh, by the way, like I heard like mm -hmm. a lot of VC talking really highly about South Park comment, like what is that? And then like, how, I mean, I am aware of like some of my friends went through the program, but like I have no idea what it is. Um, so I wonder, I know, I know, I I think roughly it's like a bunch of people building something on their own, and like there's just an idea, and then like you're, I don't know if you're getting funding or you just got to meet other smart people or something. Um, I wonder number one was what's that, and then number two, it's like if you're thinking about like you know the TO fellowship or you're thinking about like YC or something for like, I guess like university students like Stanford. And I wonder, like, how would you do, how would you do it in an innovative way to attract the right talent? So, like, by that, I mean, like, you know, you were mentioning a lot of, like, one-off, like, student events, like, a heck of a, right, or, yeah. like, something that's, like, more, like, a one-time thing for VCs to get exposure to some founders. And I wonder, how do you keep the relationship going? Because, on the other hand, I feel like there's a lot of more broader tech ecosystem. There are a lot of like really driven people that are non-technical. Like what's your thought on like the non-technical people? Because I feel like every VC is really like focusing on like, you know, the most technical founders. But the other day I was reading, I was browsing on LinkedIn. So apparently I, I don't know. I don't remember if it's like Cowboy or like someone, like someone published a research mm -hmm. that like over 75% like amazing CEOs are like non-technical or something in tech. So basically I wonder what's your thought for like to build like a more inclusive ecosystem to have non-technical founders coming in? Because my personal thought is like one day, unless you are very, very technical, um, the middle tier of technical people are going to replace by like AI, right? So um, there's like mostly, and then also when you're getting into a certain degree, like I don't think Mark Zuckerberg ever called in the past five years, assuming <laughs> you know, on the side. But I, I'm just saying, like, I feel like the most successful funders, maybe not, and like they're going to be in management position. So they're understanding code is obviously super helpful, but like uh, eventually your def definitive strategy is like, are you a good business person in general? Like, so I wonder what's your thought on like, um, number one, building a recursive, like, like or like recurring love that. Yeah, yeah for like the students or for the highly technical or like highly talented people in general and then number two it's like how do you build a more inclusive space for people that are non-eng yeah um great questions and definitely um something i think about often so kind of to reflect on what you said one is um instead of just having a one-off event how do i build a sustainable like kind of sourcing pipeline and two is 
um like what are your thoughts on recruiting non-technical founders i think all the way, i need a linda gpt i feel like you need to make your own chat gpt so i gotta ask you Uh, yeah maybe that could be my next like coding project (laughs) um but yeah i think i'll take her second question first so this is actually something i've thought a lot about pair and like discuss like with my colleagues at pair and also like with my friends who are in venture um i definitely think there is the way our yeah our audience melton hi honestly like oh wait, she, like she like he literally he says so many things but I keep going sorry this is oh hi like, Milton is he asking <laughs> c- computer systems uh, but no not really like I think he's just like <laughs> rooting us <laughs> but anyway keep going basically he was like saying good things it's like thanks for okay. the, being blah, blah, blah. okay rooting for yeah. us sorry thanks Milton my really <laughs> shitty English joke anyway keep going yeah so I think in terms of sourcing non-technical founders, I think definitely something I've thought about a lot because I think one pitfall of these programs that do focus solely on technical founders is that I think you end up with a lot of people who are great builders. So they can iterate very quickly and they can, so like, let's say you ask them to like talk to customers and then build an MVP, like they can iterate and get the next iteration like within days or a week because of how just quick they are with iterating um and i think that's like a huge scoring advantage to have because um i think the worst nightmare that i think a lot of vcs have is you have a non-technical founder who's one like unable to recruit technical talent and two like unable to build and iterate quickly so when they haven't reached product market fit they get stuck in this awful limbo of like not being able to get to kind of what their next product should be and then i think end up becoming a zombie company and you see that super often and so i think that might be part of the reason why vcs really want to gravitate toward the technical founders is like you eliminate this very high and common risk mm-hmm. um but i think the flip side of that is you might end up with someone who really like knows how to build but might not know what to build and i think that's kind of where the non-technical people come in um one kind of term I've coined around this is having problem taste. So I think if you come into engineering or if you come into building a company with a lot of life experiences, you have a lot of um, kind of what Mike Maples at Flicky might call learn secrets or mm-hmm. your alpha, like kind of what you've learned from the experiences you've had in life, like what problems are truly painful and what problems demand to be solved. And rather than just trying to find like, um, what's the common critique that people have of crypto, like looking for like solutions in search of a problem or something like that. I think you kind of (laughs) do see that when I think in these like highly technical cohorts, it's like maybe they're amazing engineers, but they're kind of still figuring out like kind of where do I apply my expertise to? Um, So I think maybe one way around that is getting a lot of smart, like technical and non-technical people together. And I think um, if I were running a fund, I would totally do this. And something I've noticed in my own friend groups at Stanford as well, is like you have students who are friends with like engineers, but like they are not in engineering. And I, um, 
I think one of my friends, like he was interested in like a venture fellowship program, but um, a lot of funds pass on him just for like not being technical when in fact, all the people that fund had been sourcing are his closest friends, which I think is kind of like a huge miss on their part because um, like if you can get him to work for you and work together, you would have saved like a lot of time and resources in your sourcing process. Um, so I think that's just like a pure sourcing perspective, but also I think when you get people who are able to kind of share the problems that they're interested in and really just like, synergistically work together on solving them i think that's part of where the magic happens um so yeah so how do you like yeah so maybe designing like yeah like designing programs where rather than like evaluating how technical someone is maybe focusing more on how much does this person love what they're doing like are they doing this just for the cloud or like trying to get into this program for future founders where do they actually have this problem that they really care about and have the experiences to back up that they care about working on this problem and then seeing and then you just put smart people in a room together and like see what happens um i'm just literally I'm literally taking notes i'm such a crazy <laughs> i wonder what's your thought on like um building like a sustainable pipeline yeah, or, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, do you have false senses? Since I know you've talked about like a lot of VC, so I'm curious like how they're approaching it as well. People are clueless. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. Okay, everyone. So I think people are clueless because I feel like everyone's copying everyone else's strategy. And um, like, I'm not saying anyone in specific, like I feel like in venture in general, it's just like a copying industry, like, oh, X is working, let's just go for like the second tier of X or like the newer version of X. Like, I'm not saying X the platform, Twitter or something. I'm, I'm talking about like a, a product or like a particular thing, right? Like, so I feel like people's strategy has always been like, how do I get involved with the, like the hottest like thing? But nobody just like really pay attention to the super overlooked category that's why like you know uber or like some other deals like yeah. uber exist, right so it's like oh super overlooked by like the majority of mainstream vcs at the beginning but in the end like you know they're the biggest winners um in terms of like making a venture career um so i personally feel like i i feel like people are clueless in general and then people are really fixated on the name of samfer or like a really big like logo or something like that so, but like on the other hand i feel like oh also like i feel like venture is also a really just like a numbers game i don't think every vc understand like everything and i personally feel like as a emerging manager um some of your strength is like you know number one it's like getting the super overlooked deals and then number yeah. two like, i think it's just a numbers game honestly like i feel mm -hmm. like it's like referring to mac mabel's like the lucky bus theory like us since we both went through like the floggy cohort yeah i feel like um i've been thinking about that a lot like just putting yourself like to on the lucky street to be hit by the lucky bus to a degree so like i feel like uh like but i want to put myself in like 50 different streets so it's easier for me to get hit by the lucky bus that's kind of like my thinking framework on like how Mm. the more like emerging manager should do but like in terms of like the more 
matured managers like or like the you know people with extensive network or with a lot of resources i don't know what they should do i wonder what what do you think yeah i think um yeah okay i think i have three thoughts on this i think so the first is that um so to answer your question like how do you create a sustainable ecosystem and not just have it be a one-off I think one, again, is like focusing on the long-term relationship. So rather than expecting returns now, like um, actually just focus on building, like, yeah, like focus on the long-term. Um, so I think Alana at Base Case does this really well. So like part of her sell to her LPs is um, every founder that I've had in my portfolio, I try to be the first check. And the reason why she's able to be the first check is because she's often known them for years. Like they're people that she met at Samsara or like people that she met in college. So she's been working with them and like ideating with them for a long time. And so I think when you're able to build that relationship over time, it's kind of more likely that you can write the first check into them and like invest at the pre-seed stage. Um, and I think I also find this like relevant in my life because a lot of people I know who are like kind of doing well now, I've literally known them for years. So one example is um, like one of my friends, like she's a big reason of why I chose to came to Stanford and also why I became interested in entrepreneurship. So um, she's a Teal fellow now, but I actually met her um, 2024. So I met her six years ago at a hackathon that this is Akshaya Dinesh. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> but um, I met her six years ago at a hackathon that she ran in New York City. That was the first hackathon I ever went to. Um, and so I love the event. Just remember like learning a lot from her. And she was a freshman headed into Stanford at the time of a hackathon. So, and I was in high school. So that experience like, made me like really love hackathons. Like it made me like want to apply to Stanford. And I always just like kept in touch with her. And um, when she was building her first company, I was like helping like beta tests for her and like doing product interviews. And so I've kind of like kept in touch with her since. But I think for me, it's like when you meet someone who like really loves like what they do. And um, I think in Akshaya case, I remember being really impressed with her at the time because she had gone to 40 hackathons as a high schooler and she would like get her parents to drive her to different states on the weekend so that she could go to these hackathons, which um, just remember like being super impressed like with her at the time and like wanting to learn from her. Um, or like one of my other friends, like she actually... I met her on Tumblr when I was in middle school, um, <laughs> but, and then she's like, just like a very like witty person, but also like very technical. And so like, I've kept in touch with her sons and she's also now like popping up in a lot of like the entrepreneurship circles. So I think you never quite know like where people go, but I think for me, like when I meet someone that I love learning from and love spending time with, I really try to like cherish those relationships and just continue like engaging with them intellectually and not worrying too much about like where it's going to lead. I think for me, I care a lot about being non-transactional in the relationships that I build and just enjoying the time that I spend with someone and being able to connect intellectually. Um, 
I have yeah. a question on that. So I think yeah. like what you said about is about um, making friends, right? Like making friends and then paying attention to people that are like doing interesting things around you who are like impressive, like impressive peers, right? So I don't think that's a pipeline strategy though. Like I feel like yeah. when you mentioned about like, oh, it's like a non-transaction transactional re- relationship. So for example, I have invested in my friend's company that mm-hmm. like I don't particularly think like generally, oh, this is the next Uber or something. I mean, obviously right. they're super smart. Like, I really want them to be the next Uber. Please be the next Uber, honestly. But like I, but when I'm like looking at these deals, like, it's kind of like really, really biased. They're my friends. And like they, I obviously I identify them as like a really smart crew or whatever. Otherwise, like, you know, why would I invest in general? But I don't think that's a repeatable strategy because you yeah. only have so many friends. And like, even exactly. when you mention like some people who are like creating a fund that's like they, they know the first engineer, yada, yada, yada. They would not know the first engineer in two years from now, right? Like, I mean, yes. because they're already in the VC game. Yeah. Like, you can't just build deep personal relationship with every freaking person on the Absolutely. internet. Yeah. I think that's true. But I think kind of where the strategy part comes into play is I would say um, I, I think the strategy part, I think, might just be not trying to cash in on those relationships right away, which mm-hmm. is something I unfortunately see a lot of VCs do. So um, I actually like no longer work in venture, even though I clearly like love venture and care a lot about it. And I think part of why I quit is because I felt so much pressure to source. And in the case where like a lot of these like VC programs were like, the, the incentives were misaligned with what my friends wanted to do. I think I felt a lot of pressure to maybe like get them to join an accelerator program or get them to join a fellowship program when that clearly wasn't in their best interest or the best use of their time. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of like part of it is like I think whatever you do as a fund, like think more about like how you can continue helping them and like. Mm-hmm building the relationship over time and not trying to get them to kind of be part of your network in the beginning, but kind of to go back to what you're saying on like, how do I make this sustainable? I think definitely like it's, yeah, I think you're totally right. Like maybe I know the best engineers at the best startup right now, but like in five years, like the best engineers at the best startup will be like a completely different cohort of people. I think like, how do I do that? And I think, um, I think that has a lot to do with, yeah, I'm trying to think about like VCs that I really look up to and I think who do a good job of this. I think a lot about Mamoon Hamid at Kleiner Perkins. Um, I think about Josh Kushner at Thrive. And I think um, I've never like interacted with Josh like personally, but I have like, talked with Mamoon a little bit. I think something that really impresses me about their approach is I think they're very humble and they're also like very deep thinkers themselves. So I think one important component for these, like, I think building these like intellectual, like thought partnerships over time, which is kind of how I like to think about them. is like, I think you have to like be thinking deeply and really be able to engage with these people on an intellectual level. So I think a lot of that comes from like, 
focusing on refining your own thesis, like refining on your own thinking rather than just like thinking about how can I like chase these people? Because I think you have to be someone they want to be talking to and someone they find interesting. Um, so I think that is kind of where I'm at right now is like, I want to learn my computer science. Like I want to find like the problems that I'm interested in solving and like go really deep on them and then have something to share when I'm around like my friends who are really smart. Um, but I think, so yeah, I think Mamoon and Josh, like they're very deep thinkers themselves. But two, I think is like, um, yeah, I think just being an investor that these kinds of founders can look up to, I think that is like a pretty timeless trait. So I think Elaw does a really well, um, does a really good job of this since um, he has his own experiences, like being early at Google and then at Twitter um, and then building color. And same with Josh, like he um, also builds like a health company. So I think just they have these like founding experiences so that when founders come to them, like they really value the expertise that these people have to offer. And they know they're not just like someone who's coaching from the sidelines. So I think a lot of it is like focusing on like, am I someone who has like valuable expertise to share? And am I someone that founders respect and want to learn from and can learn from? So I think that tends to age really well. We're same with Ali Partovi. I think part of the reason why Neo is kind of winning the talent war for these undergrad engineering founders is because that's who Ali was. Like he was a top computer science student at Harvard in the 90s. He went on to build his startup, sold that startup. And then um, so he's part of this elite and he was this part like cohort of people at Harvard who are all doing really well. So like one of his close friends that he did a startup with is actually Alfred Lin at Sequoia. And then um, so or like also, um, yeah, Tony Shia as well. Um, but I think he really knows and these kids from Harvard and beyond trust him because they see themselves in him. So I think kind of my second answer to that is like focusing on what you can offer. Are you someone that these top founders can engage with intellectually and learn from? And I would say like the third part in terms of like actually like systemizing the strategy, um, I think it's like staying young. Like um, something that I try really hard to do is like I try to have like mentors and friends who are like of different ages and like different backgrounds. So like um, I think um, I'm friends with like people who are like high schoolers or like people mm -hmm. who are like freshmen in college. And I think just trying to be humble and like believing that you can, I think the mentality really matters because I think if you go into these interactions with kind of a mindset of like, not just what can I offer, but also what can I learn? I think that tends to attract the right people who want to work with you. And I think over time, like they bring their friends to you. And then like, I think that is kind of a sustaining process, but you have to kind of orient yourself in the right way so that they actually care to engage. I want to say something like maybe challenging that, a challenge to that thought. So yeah. Like, so VC firms are like, 
their end goal is like to make money, right? So like eventually, like everyone have to sustain themselves. Like even all the fund managers that you've mentioned, they have a job, and like it's a great hobby for me to like meet really interesting people. But、mm-hmm. like as a fund manager, you have to literally sit down and be like, what is the ROA of these relationships? Absolutely. Or, like, um. Have finding a way to monetize themselves. Like so, let's say if you are designing this like new like teal fellowship or like new YC or something,、mm-hmm. like what would you say would be the financial kind of、um, model that you would use to keep yourself kind of sustained financially and also creating an environment where you can kind of build a long term relationship with founders or like people in the ecosystem. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think,、um, yeah, it's something like I definitely want to keep like thinking about. So I actually really appreciate you. It's like I'll think about this question for like, <laughs> definitely like the rest of the week or maybe like the next couple of weeks.、Um, but I think like something I'm curious about is like. For a lot of these top performing funds, like, is there a differential between kind of what you're selling to LPs and then what is actually generating the ROI? So I think for a lot of funds, it's like, I think what they're selling can be we get the best founders, like engineering founders from all of North America, or like we get the best engineering founders from Stanford.、Uh, but if you look at kind of how the companies and their portfolio get acquired. Like it might be because of like the longstanding relationships that they've had with people、mm-hmm. in industry or like people within their own network. So it's kind of like the maybe like the selling point to get the LPs interested in one thing, but maybe how they're actually cashing out is highly dependent on other components as well.、Um, yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah.、Um, oh yeah, like I I I feel you. I feel like maybe some of these. I I just don't really know how to like articulate these like I guess like another part of it is like when you build this network group of friends、mm-hmm. or something like what's your way of、um, I wouldn't say monetizing it but like making them into something like concrete into a career. I think. Yeah, how do, I know you. It's a question we've like talked about. I think as friends too. So how are you thinking about it? I think my general thought framework is like this is a broader level of things, right? Like depends on like your risk tolerance. Like if you are like really financially set, that's like、mm-hmm. a very different path than like if you're trying to look for a job in the next three months. Um, I feel like, in general, overall, like I personally prefer like the long term relationships because I feel like that's gonna result into something huge, and like I don't particularly think it's like three days later I can get a job at Google. That's like my relationship building strategy. But that being、yeah. said, I feel like I kind of filter people into different ways, right? Like for example, you, I think you are like my long term friends, but like. There's、oh, some people that they're like, I just knew, like we're not gonna be friends in the next ten years. But <laughs> now, sorry, I sound like a major savage right now. But like, like we all have the feeling of like a gut feeling of like, do I want to be friends with this person for like the next five years? Kind of. 
but like it's really hard to tell until like you actually get to know them or something but let's say after three meetings you're like i don't have the gut feeling i mean i'm not gonna like kick people out i just feel like you have different zone of relationship right like the some are long term some are short term some are midterm some are just like your overall like hanging out friends who like you're drinking buddies or or like you golf buddies or like whatever you do or you're hacking somebody or like your machine learning paper reading parties uh part like party friends or something so basically you have like certain level of friends or like to a degree that like i don't know like in general you like i personally i don't think like i categorize categorize these people into exception <laughs> or anything i just have like a yeah. where, like i also just go with flow i can't really say like something like i i'm in general i'm like not trying to get some super huge result like, out of some relationship that fast or like in general i feel like i'm I rather build like a relationship than cashing out on someone. But that being said, like you know, everyone have to make a living some in some way. I don't think like the I think the most like sustainable friendship could be like people who you have some sort of overlap in your career because that's like your career is like really big part for like all the ambitious people in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. Like that's like literally yeah. I more than half of your life. And if there's no career correlation with two different parties i feel like the relationship is really hard to sustain because you are spending Mm -hmm. so much time on this thing but like on the other hand like i don't think it should be like oh like after being friends with this person for three months i'm gonna get a job from them so i that's my general thinking framework but like that being said like i'm curious about yours because i feel like you're very smart and then you're like obviously stand for the next generation yeah i think I think it's just like very much so like to each your own um and I know a lot of people who are like especially VCs like tend to be very social and they're really great at building tons of relationships and like keeping in touch with them whereas like for me I think I go I like going deeper within a smaller group of people so I think that's just part of how I operate and I think something and even though like I think I might personally differ from other VCs in this regard I think something that gives me hope is like (laughs) um I think if you look at a lot of the best VCs over time or like the best returns were really like how funds get started like they all exist in these very small talent clusters of a small group of friends. Oh, I love and, the word talent cluster. <laughs> right? But, it yeah. And I think part of the reason why is because like VC is, we it's like governed by power law returns. So you're kind of shooting for like the home runs of the home runs. You're not trying to get like the top like 1% even. And so, and how I think about this is like, I think if you're a smart person, you probably have like a very high bar for who you want to interact with and who you enjoy interacting with. So chances are like if you're doing really well and if you love working hard and you love going deep, like the people around you are pretty similar. And like some examples of this is like one is, for instance, like the PayPal mafia. Um, So yeah, I was like really lucky to take a class with Peter, um, like a small seminar with him during my sophomore year at Stanford. And I think that was part of what got me thinking about this is um, the people that he built PayPal with 
were just his friends from the Stanford Review and maybe other people that he, I think he met from like UIUC as well. Um, but that group oh, of people. Oh, Elena. <laughs> yay, go Grace. Um, yeah, but it's like, and then they have gone on to build some of the best funds and best companies. Like, um, yeah, so I think that's one example. But even if you look at a smaller example like Neo, like I think a lot of Ollie's alpha comes from, again, like the people that he knew in his 20s and the people that he crossed paths with. And so it's crazy to me that um, Barry Diller, who is um, kind of one of the early like internet media people, Brad Gerstner, Dara Khosrowshahi, who's the CEO of Uber, Ollie and his brother, Hadi Partovi, Alfred Lin, Tony Shi, um, Rich Barton of Zillow. Like, they basically... We're all so nerdy. I cannot believe all of the, these people you mentioned. I feel like I, like, definitely researched, like, 80% of them. I feel like this is how nerdy we're getting. But keep going. Sorry. Yeah. But they all worked with each other in the late 90s. And they all crossed paths in some way. So I think... So kind of what I'm betting on is like, I think if you find yourself in one of these clusters, you will get good returns. Um, but if you're outside the circle, it might be hard to get access to them at all as an investor, unless you're at a very established fund. And I think the other part of it too is, um, I think maybe you make better investment decisions for people you have had trust and like a long history of working with. And it just makes sense because you have more data on a person than an average investor would, whether that's like regarding their integrity, like their execution speed. So I think investors rarely have perfect data, but maybe it's just it's as close as you can get. I have a question on that. So like basically you're mentioning a bunch of people that I assume they are like classmates or something like or like went into like some sort of same cohort. If you're people if you're a random person on the internet how do you replicate that strategy to build smart friends to make smart friends in general yeah um loves this question not everyone can go to stanford okay but keep going (laughs) yeah i know i think what i really look for like not all my friends go to stanford a lot of my friends like go to waterloo or like go to ubc i I think what you make I really... them sounds like they are like I don't know you're shopping at Trader Joe's or something, but they're like they're, <laughs> those are like <laughs> Grace, no. Um, yeah, I think, but I think what I really care about, like when I interact with someone, is just like how much they love what they're doing. I think, like, yeah, I think if they're, I think I notice a big difference in like someone taking on an internship or like doing a fellowship because like they actually care about it versus like what they look like, how it looks on their resume. And I think I always enjoy hanging out with the people who care more about the former over the latter. Um, And so I think even if you're like a random person on the internet, like um, I've always like read a lot of blogs. And so that was how I met some of my current friends. Like a lot of them are internet friends and like, even we met like on Zoom during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't think you have to go to Stanford to like kind of find your like miss in these people. But I think if you're following your curiosity, you'll meet other people who are following their curiosity too. Thank you so much. Oh my God, that's <laughs> a great 
way. So on that note, like I wonder what are maybe like three things that you feel like should be taken away from everybody who is listening to this or maybe emerging GPLP or angel investor. What should they do as next steps to make okay. smart plans and like creating the next generation of like good companies? Yeah, I think one is focus on long term and don't cash out too early. I think two is um, are you someone that the founder, like kind of asking the question of, are you someone that the founders that you want to work with respect and actually they also want to work with you? I think a lot of times like people like think about deploying capital as like a one-way street where I think it's actually just really goes both ways. And having kind of met some of like the top tier of founders, it's they get to pick who they take money from. And so the tables are really flipped in that situation. And I think, yeah, I think the third one is just like, I don't know, like look for sparkly people who are curious and love what they do. Thank you. Okay, so on that note, we have one minute fire round for you. Number oh, one. God. <laughs> What's your favorite book? Uh, how will you measure your life? Or <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I like that. I also I like the three body problem a lot. Sorry, okay. maybe a oh, little yeah. cliche. <laughs> it's not cliche. Be said like literally last week the last person said the same book <laughs> but, no. um, what's the best yeah. uh, what's your content diet um i like reading the information i have a few subsects i like to follow um i also try to read as many books as i can because i think reading long form helps you with thesis building where i think there's just more to be processed and you are able to follow an argument more closely um by the way, you should like this is the time you should plug your own blog, by the way. Oh yeah, I have a substack. I write at lindatom.substack.com about um, venture <laughs> and sourcing in the university ecosystem. So would love any feedback and would love to chat more. Uh who would you invite to your dinner party? Oh gosh. Like is this any person dead or alive? It's your or... party. Um yeah oh my god I if you're not inviting me i will cry but keep going okay you're, you're invited answer. grace um yeah who would i want to invite um well i haven't thought about this question in a very <laughs> long time maybe since i was writing my college app so um yeah um i think i'll get back to you on that one okay yeah. uh who made the biggest impact in your career um I think so many people but I think I'm very grateful to have had a lot of um like near peer mentors so I think my friends Jackie and also Jack at like a 4VC have had a really big impact on me and you as well um and I'm also very grateful for um, Iris at Floodgate Fund I think she was one of the first people to like believe in me and she's still like a Same. huge role model for me so uh, yeah. I'll send this to her <laughs> she will be so okay. proud of us but, uh, who um, made the biggest impact in your oh well that's already done where can we find you outside of work sorry I'm just looking at my notes I'm like such a really my brain froze for a second but. I think just like sitting on the floor at Books Inc. <laughs> Books Inc. Yeah, we're at a Noble. 
I'm just I like I like my independent bookstores. So. <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Linda, for coming on the show today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Grace. Super honored to be here. Let me quickly end the stream. <laughs>